All right, well, good morning. Sure, if you are uh, new today, or maybe you're just, you know, tuning in, someone sent you this link, which, you know, I encourage you, sure, to send this link. Uh, welcome. I'm really glad you're here. Uh, today, as we have been for the last few weeks, we're in a series in the Psalms, uh, which are poems and songs and worship songs that were written through uh, so many different authors and trials that they were going through. And we're in this Psalms because uh, we're in a time where, like the Psalms, there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of uncertainty, there's a lot of hardship. And the Psalms are beautiful because they give us permission to be raw with God, to be honest with Him, to tell Him why we're anxious, why we're angry, and, and, and you can just get all this stuff out before him. But what's beautiful about the psalmist is that they do this with the Lord, that there's a beautiful way in which we get what's unhealthy up and out to God while he brings who he is to heal those specific places. And so one of the things we've been doing in, in flourishing with God and others is learning about how the psalmist um, pull in the beauty of the nature and character of God. And so we need to know who God is. We need to know what he's like as we go through these crazy times. That's how we're going to flourish. And so today we're in Psalm 143, and specifically we're going to be looking at God's character of faithfulness, that God is faithful. If you ask, if you were asked by someone, what does it mean that God is faithful? What is his faithfulness? Uh, how would you describe it? Okay, well, I'm going to help you today because this doctrine, this truth can help you change people's lives. That's what I'm excited for. So that's where we're going. We're going to pray and we're going to hear from our special guest reader. Let me say though, uh, at the end of the service, I'm going to update us all on you know, how we're processing what's next with some of the government's relaxing rules. Uh, and so we'll tell you all about that after, but let's um, just put those thoughts aside and let's just invite Jesus now uh, to come to minister to us as we get into his word. All right, so let me pray. Jesus, I just, I thank you. I thank you for this specific psalm, this specific time, and really for your faithfulness. I thank you, God, that you are a God who has never changed, will never change, will always be true. And Lord, I just pray that as this sermon uh, is listened to, that you would now bring to mind, Holy Spirit, your great faithfulness in our lives. And I just, I pray as I, as I teach and as we walk through this psalm that you would just spark in our souls, in our hearts, great worship and thanksgiving for the beautiful, immutable faithfulness of God. And Lord, I know um, some of us are in places like this psalmist today, and I pray that you would minister your presence, that we'd experience the living reality of God. And I ask that you would now come, Holy Spirit, even as I teach in this recording, but that you would come through this live time together and minister to us. I pray you'd put people on our hearts. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would continue to remind us who you want us to bless. And so we love you. Be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Psalm 143, here is your special guest reader. Good morning, Shore Church. 
This morning I'm going to be reading Psalm 143. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my plea for mercy. In your faithfulness, answer me in your righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore, my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies and you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul for I am your servant. All right, thank you, Sue. Love you guys. We're praying for uh, Anvil uh, and your team. This is such a a tough time for camps. And so I want to ask you, Shore, please keep uh, Sue, Terry, all of Anvil, uh, the campers in, in mind as they've had to cancel along with Keats. If you can keep uh, Stan and Sydney in mind, uh, just we bless you. Bless those camps in Jesus' name. Um, all right, so Psalm 143, once again, note with me the desperation of trial uh, that David, and his, he's in because of his enemies. He's distraught. He's uh, pleading for God to deliver him from this uh, crushing attack he's been facing. Look at verse three. For the enemy has pursued my soul. Uh, he has crushed my life. He says, emotionally, I am done. The enemy isn't just igniting fear uh, it, it's, it's breaking me into pieces. I'm spent. I'm uh, fatigued. I'm, I'm, I'm at rock bottom. This attack, this person, this situation uh, is so hard that verse four says this, my spirit faints. Like I, I've lost consciousness, so to say, with my reality. Uh, you can also see within here, uh, th there is a tinge of, of guilt. He, he's feeling this unworthiness before the Lord. Look at verse two. He says, do not bring your servant into judgment for no one alive is righteous in your sight. In verse four, he says, my heart uh, is appalled. One translation says, my heart is overcome with dismay or my heart within me is desolate. Um, listen, I miss you. Like I miss you guys a lot. Uh, I don't know how you're doing. I think one of the hardest things for me as your pastor is I at least got to just ask you, how are you really doing on a Sunday? And I don't get to see your faces. Um, 
But I just want to tell you, not to the degree that I know some of you are going through, uh, but I'm hearing from lots of you, and it's lonely. And I want to share with you, I'm experiencing uh, and have experienced what this psalm describes, rhythms where uh, depression uh, or dismay in my soul uh, feels crushing. Like, I can tell you, as, as your pastor, uh, I have felt what this feels like. Yes, I'm passionate, um, but my passion can run the other way. And uh, even earlier this week, I could feel this cloud just you know, almost like sitting on me, and, I, and I'm searching with God, and, I'm, and I'm, I can't get out from this. I've, t- I've told him, like, I feel sad. I'm frustrated. God, I don't know why. I can't seem to find joy. You ever been there, like, where you just go, like, my spirit just feels lifeless. You feel foggy. I don't hear anything. Uh, when I was in this place this week, there was one thing that struck me in this psalm as I was meditating on it, and I hadn't seen it before, uh, but I wanted to share it with you, and, and here it is. Uh, it's good, okay? Um, I would say it's, it's right, and it's okay, and it's good to tell God to answer me. Um, it's good to tell God, answer me. Like, I need an answer, and let, let me, before you're like, I'm not sure if he's read the book of Job. I have. Okay, I've read the book of Job. Um, and so there is some pushback that's like, well, you can't just tell God to answer me. But, but I'm telling you, yes, you can. This psalm does. But let me, let me take you to one more text. So if you go to James, the book of James, in chapter 1, um, he, he begins with, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds. And we are in that. For the testing of your faith, it produces this beautiful character. And then in the context of trials, he says, if anyone lacks wisdom, this is not wisdom for, hey, what leadership direction should I take? This is wisdom with what's happening in this uh, crushing trial, in this attack. I need your wisdom. What does James say? Ask. Right? Jesus, on multiple occasions, um, even read the disciples' mind, says, I know you want to ask me this. And he even says, ask, seek, knock. So, I mean, listen, just listen to this psalm. He says in verse 1, hear my prayer. Listen, he says, give ear to my pleas. Verse 2, answer me quickly. Uh, verse 7, hide not your face. Make me know the way I should go. I have fled to you. Now be you. So, Sure, I just want to encourage you right away from this psalm, my own life, uh, ask God to answer you. Ask him. Ask him. Ask him to give you wisdom for what he's purifying. Ask him what he loves about you that he's wanting to do with you in this journey with him. Listen, you have to remember in trials that being a follower of Jesus, being a Christian, uh, is being in an apprenticeship with Jesus. And here's what you need to hear. Jesus answers his friends. Jesus loves to answer his friends. 
you can trust the relationship. Some of us, because we've read those, you know, and I think Job never got an answer to his suffering, but did God come to him and minister him? Yeah, he did. So here's what I, here's what I know about this psalm. David knows that there's a tender, infinite, unchanging, immutable, immense, gracious being on the other side of the phone. And my question to us, sure, is do you know that? Or do your emotions, not God's character with your emotions, take over? Because let me tell you, and I was just talking to Jordan Chong just seconds ago, uh, the Psalms are tough to uh, preach and teach because we're teaching emotions. And emotions aren't bad. This is an emotional Psalm, but to quote one, um, in, in regards to emotions, our feelings or our emotions are great passengers, but they are poor drivers, right? Like they aren't wrong. They tell us a lot. They're, they're, they're good at giving us the symptoms of what's underneath, but you put your emotions behind the wheel and your life is it's just, you're going to crash. It goes bad. God's faithfulness, God's word, God's truth, God in the driver's seat is what we need the most. F.B. Meyer said this, most people try to put feeling first with much success as if they tried to, this is the best, as if they tried to build the top story of a house before laying its foundations. He says, quote, and this will be on the screen, it is a fact that God loves each of us with the tenderest and most particular Love, it's a fact. You may not believe or feel it. Warm summer sun may be shining against your shuttered and curtained window without making itself seen or felt within, but your failure to realize and appreciate the fact of God's love toward you cannot alter its being so. And what the psalmist is doing is he's making sure he's expressing in his emotions, all his emotions, which are good to express, um, what he knows about God to be true. He, he's making sure that his emotions are in the passenger side. And what and who is he ans- calling God to answer in. Like, what's the basis of his assurance in his call to answer? And in this psalm, it's his faithfulness. He says this in verse 1. He says, in your faithfulness, answer me. So I want to spend almost the rest of this sermon asking, discussing, exalting in what is the faithfulness of God. What is his faithfulness? Okay, so first, Webster's Dictionary. Let's going to get right into it. Um, Webster's Dictionary defines faithfulness. So here's just a a human definition. Is this firm in adherence to promises or in observance of duty? That's what it means to be faithful. Faithfulness uh, is God's attribute of utter dependability. A.W. Tozer says this, this will be on the screen. God, being who he is, cannot cease to be what he is. And being what he is, he cannot act out of character with himself. He is at once faithful and immutable. 
so all his words and acts must be and must remain faithful, faithful to his to who he is. So his faithfulness uh, is related to his density and his infinity, which in turn are related to his immutability and his eternity. So think about it this way. Immutability in God means not only does he not change, but also that he cannot change. God is unchangeable. He is unalterable, infinitely, immensely in his character, in his, all the things we've already looked at, his goodness, his love, and in all his ways. So let me give you some verses. Revelation 1, 8, these will be on the screen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. So he's eternally unchanging in his being. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the, what's our word, Shore? Is the same. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. His grace for you and his love towards you has been this same before you were born, today, and in 10,000 years. Malachi 3.6, for I, the Lord, do not change. Okay, so let me ask you, and I borrow this, how many people, okay, think about people, you know, how many people do you know who uh, do exactly what they say? Okay, before you answer that, let me rephrase the question. How many do you know who do exactly what they say every single time? Okay, you know what? Before you answer that one, let me rephrase it again. How many people do you know who do exactly what they say every single time, but they do it with such thoroughness and perfection that you never have to worry about anything they say or do? Okay, you know what? One more. If Before you answer that, let me ask it one more time. How many people, seriously, think about people. How many people do you know, no matter what the circumstance and no matter how they feel, will always do exactly what they say they will do every single time and they will do it with the same thoroughness and perfection that you never have to worry about anything they say or do because you know if they say it, they will definitely do it without fail without change, without excuse, okay? None of us. But this is our God. So God's faithfulness means that he is, he is truthful every time, trustworthy. He can never lie. Everything he says and does is certain. That means he is 100% reliable, 100% of the time. He does not fail. He does not forget. He does not falter change or disappoint. He says what he means and he means what he says and he therefore does everything and therefore does everything he says that he will do. First uh, Timothy 2.13, this will be on the screen as well, says this, excuse me, <coughs> if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Why? Watch this, for he cannot deny himself. God's faithfulness is a result of God's self-consistency. Mark Jones commenting on this verse says, God's faithfulness towards us springs from his <coughs> faithfulness to himself. When he speaks a promise, 
promise to us, his character is on the line. To break a promise to us would be to deny himself. Sure, his promises are infallibly reliable. All his promises. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Hold fast. Why can we do that without wavering? Why? For he who promised is faithful. Psalm 119, 89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. So throughout all the ages to come, God's word is fixed. It can't be changed. Uh, he, he will never have to take something back that he said. He, he will never have to retext or delete what he said. When John sees Jesus as we will one day, he's going to have a new name. This is symbolic, but look at what he says in Revelation 19.11. Then I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. That's the first name. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. In scripture, God's faithfulness is shown to be great. It really is great. Lamentations 3, 23, it'll be on the screen as well. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His, his mercies never come to an end. I just pictured Niagara Falls. It's just pff, never. Now, now watch this. They are new every morning. How can we know that? How can we be sure that tomorrow morning his steadfast love and his mercy for us will never, ever stop, will always be pouring for you? How do we know? Because great, great is your faithfulness. In Psalm 89.8, his faithfulness is incomparable. O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, Oh, Lord, with your faithfulness all around you. His, his faithfulness is unfailing. His faithfulness is infinite. It is incomparable. It's everlasting. It's established. You, it's unbreakable. Psalm 89.2, for I said, steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens, you will establish your faithfulness. Psalm 119.90 says, uh, your faithfulness endured to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. Since God's faithfulness is part of his essence, it affects everything he says and everything he does, even when we're not feeling it. And is the basis, Titus says, and this will be on the screen as well, for our salvation, our, quote, hope of eternal life. Our hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised. Promised when? Sure, when did, when did the promise go out? Because we're going to talk about this next. Before the ages began. So I want you to think about this in two ways, okay? Those God chose before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1, this text here, 
his bride, those whom he set apart in his heart and his electing love, God will faithfully bring about their salvation. He will faithfully show them the good news of Jesus Christ. He will faithfully bring into them the Holy Spirit who will then change their hearts. He will faithfully give them the gift of faith and repentance. He will faithfully bring them home. They will never fall away from grace. They will never fall away. No believer will ever become an unbeliever. Never. No one who enters the kingdom will ever be put out of the kingdom. Romans 8 says this of God's faithfulness. This will be on the screen as well. And those whom, what's our word? He. He predestined. What's our next word? He. Also called. And those whom, what's our word? He. Those whom he called. He also justified. I feel like there's a theme. There is. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Do you see a pattern? Okay, show of hands. You see the pattern? What's the pattern? Listen, listen. The group that God began with in eternity past is exactly whom God brings into completion into eternity future. There are no dropouts. There's no, there's no ones that will fall along the way. There's no misnames. No. To deny this is to deny God's immutability and his faithfulness. Once you are redeemed in Jesus, you are certain for heaven that moment as though you were already there for 10,000 years. And it's in some of us, we live too much in the condemnation of demons or bad theology that minimize the immutability, the dependability, the infinitude and faithfulness of God. God cannot lie. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful by whom you were Romans 8, they're called. And what were you called into? What's the word? You were called into the friendship. This is a personal faithfulness. Jesus loves you like a friend loves you. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. Now may the God of peace himself, who? Himself, sanctify you. That means he's gonna make you beautifully uh, without sin, all the things he died for, he's going to grow you and to look a lot like Jesus completely. And may your whole spirit and your soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who's going to do this? He who calls you is, what's our word? Faithful, faithful. He will surely do it. Uh, when God says, I give them eternal life, when Jesus says that in John 10, no one can snatch them from my hand, um, that text means what it says. If you could be a Christian for 12 years and then lose your salvation, you didn't have eternal life. You, you had 12-year life. If, if you could be a Christian for three years and then all of a sudden lose your salvation, that's not eternal life, that's three-year life. 
Eternal life means that you have literally him who is eternal faithfully in you doing what he said he would do. He who has called you is faithful, he will surely do it. God's faithfulness is a friendly faithfulness. So, so here's what I wanna say in all of what we've been talking about. Your strength for the present and your hope for tomorrow are not based on the stability of your own perseverance, but on the faithfulness of God. You can sing. All my life you have been faithful. And that was true. Great is thy faithfulness. You can sing summer and winter and springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above. Join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. And, and when you're in times of attack, when you don't feel close to God, remind yourself who's driving that his feelings haven't changed for you. They are what they will be 10,000 years from now in the moment. No matter what our need is, you can count on God's faithfulness. You can come to him surrendered with trust. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, and this will be on the screen, faith is holding on to the faithfulness of God. And as long as you do that, you cannot go wrong. Let me say that again. Faith is holding on to the faithfulness, the immutability, the unchanging truthfulness of God. He goes on, faith does not look at the difficulties. Faith does not look at itself or at the person who's exercising it. Faith looks at God. Faith is interested in God only, and it talks about God, and it praises God, and it extols the virtues of God. The measure of the strength of a man's faith always is ultimately the measure of his knowledge of God. He knows God so well that he can rest on the knowledge, and it is the prayers of such a man or woman that are answered. So how do we hold on to the faithfulness of God. Well, the psalmist, he tells us. I mean, if you look at verse five and six, and, and let me just, I wanna challenge you this week, because it's five and six, take 56 minutes so you can remember where to look. Somewhere in your week where you invite the Holy Spirit, you get away and you ask God to bring to mind his faithfulness on your life and then begin to praise him and thank him for each one. He says this first, he says, I remember the days of old. There's just something about stopping and remembering how God has shown himself faithful. Maybe there were times where you doubted God's faithfulness and then he came through in a way that you never even dreamed he, he could have, but he did. I remember the best date I ever went on in Chicago where I went to Bible college. Uh, it was a date, I, I was uh, in Burger King, okay, great date spot, and I was by myself, and I was going through, at that point, the darkest time I'd have ever been in, and I, this is the closest to a real vision I've ever had, but the Lord, it almost felt like he took me out of my body, 
and he just showed me since I was a child how faithful he's been. And it was memory after memory after memory after memory of how he just intervened in my life and changed my life. And so that's a good date. You should go on that date with Jesus. He goes on, he says, I meditate on all that you've done. I, I ponder the work of your hands. I, I stretch out my hands to you. And, and in that time, you, you, just, you wanna just pray, God, thank you. Regardless of just how I've been treating you, you've never stopped loving me. Uh, you've, you've never stopped loving me with the same love you have for Jesus. Look at verse seven. My soul, it thirsts for you like, like a parched land. Verse eight, let me hear in the morning your steadfast love. Why? For in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go. For to you I lift up my soul. I need your loving presence, your living guidance. I, I need your loving presence and your dependable spirit. He says, for your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life in your righteousness. Bring my soul out of trouble and in your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies and you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul for I am your servant. I know I'm out of time, so as we close, uh, there, there's no greater picture of the faithfulness of God than when we look at the cross. When Jesus died in our place, for our sin. When Jesus fulfilled this psalm, when the enemy was crushing David, Jesus was crushed for him. When, when life was just falling and coming down, Jesus went into our trouble. He was cut off so that we could be loved. He was destroyed so that we could live for his namesake. God answered the prayer of this psalm for all of us. And here's what I want to close with. We know Jesus, I know this is bold to say, but I'm going to say it, must be faithful towards us, not only because of who he is and all the things we just said, but because to qualify as the high priest, the high priest was the one who would go into the temple and bring the sins of the people towards God and make atonement. When Jesus came, God sent his son to be the one who would then take on our sin and make us right and accept it before the Father to adopt us, everything we just said earlier. In order to be the great high priest, listen to what Hebrews says he had to be. He not only had to show us mercy, he had to also show us faithfulness. Hebrews 2.17 says, therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, born of a virgin, fully man, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Uh, John Owen, the great theologian Puritan, said, such faithfulness consists in his exact, constant, careful consideration of all our spiritual concerns, especially in our temptations and sufferings. As a faithful high priest, 
Jesus remains more concerned than we are about maintaining us in a state of grace. His faithfulness, not ours, guarantees our inheritance in the heavenly places with him. That's why John, John writes in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, guess what? The high priest is taking care of it. But what does the text say? If we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us. And he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In Jesus, this psalm is true for all of us. And, and you may not experience a full relief from some of your enemies in this life. Hebrews 11 says that by faith, Moses did this. By faith, Abraham did this. But it also says by faith, some were sawn in two. But we are victorious, sure. We have a victorious, faithful God who destroyed all the adversaries of our souls so you can spend time and life and friendship with him forever. As we close, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm not sure what's coming up for you in, internally. Um, I, I hope the bigness of God's faithfulness is stirring faith. But I know there's gotta be some of you who are wrestling with a specific time that you felt that God didn't come through here. And all I want to say, and this is not the sermon to hit all that, but all I want to say is turn your eyes towards the cross. And seriously, do not stop looking at the cross. If you go to that, you know, date with Jesus for those 56 minutes and you're getting a lot of blank, ask Jesus to show you the cross. You may not understand why in some things, but you can look there. And in looking at the cross, you can be held in his faithfulness and you can be deeply healed. And by surrendering whatever pain over to Jesus, you can experience the goodness and the faithfulness of God on the cross. So Jesus, now I just wanna pray that you would now just come and you would just remind those watching, those together, those of us who are just, just enjoying now your faithfulness, your immutability, your affections for us that have never changed. I pray that you'd now bring to mind all the times in our lives in which you came through, that, that you you were there where you met us. You were with us in the darkest valleys. Psalm 23 reminds us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that this week that you would bring to mind what you think of us, which has never changed. And I pray you would help us make you our trust. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord who makes you our trust. And so, Lord, I just want to pray, God, that we would now just rest in your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. And I pray as we sing these songs, these hymns, spiritual songs, where we sing, all my life you have been faithful, that you would just fill us with the Holy Spirit. As we sing, great is thy faithfulness, would you now fill us with your presence, and may our lives be different. In Jesus' name, amen.